We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. I am in Oxford, uh, my version of Clark Ford Studio, Neil on the road, so a little late starting between uh, something I had going on this morning, and uh, making sure you get a podcast today, so we'll uh, hit some different topics around the uh, sports world, the Open Championship on in front of me right now as uh, we are hitting the button, it's around 9.42, or not around, it is 9.42 a.m., so if anybody's curious what time we're starting, trying to link up with any golf I'm watching right now, that's what... uh, that's what time it is. So uh, good to be with you. And we'll uh, hit a couple of things. Like I said, podcast brought to you someday by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Download the uh, Exxon mobile app. When you do that, you get a thousand bonus points and a thousand bonus points equals $10 off a tank of gas, including the one you just fill it up at the time. You can take a picture of the QR code. You can download it automatically in thousand points, 10 bucks with the Oxford Exxon. And uh, again, we'll tell you about Clark Ford. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for uh, Corey Clark. Um, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Had a podcast up yesterday. With Ryan Brown, he joined on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline, Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place to enjoy a burger, a po' boy, an appetizer, a full bar, um, everything. Uh, great beer selection, all that at Rafters in uh, Oxford, Rafters in New Albany, and of course, Rafters on the Water out at Sardis. If you're looking for an escape from the heat this weekend, go grab a frozen margarita, a beer, uh, grab a burger and enjoy your day on Lake Sardis at Rafters on the Water. So did you get up at 2.30, 2.45 to make sure you hit the tee times this morning as the uh, as the Open Championship got going? You, one of those that maybe slept a little later, like 3.40 before, you know, the first cup of coffee and the, the, the pot was brewing? Yeah, I did not want to miss Seve Ballesteros uh, teeing off. And, and so I made sure that I was up. At least pick somebody alive. Come on. I mean, like, don't, don't pick the dead guy. Come on. <laughs> 
Oh, um, no, I did not. I, I did not realize that. They, I, I knew they were playing because I'd seen it, but I did not think about it until you said that in the open. So I, I did not, did not see, uh, did not see the open. I, that's, that's one of those events that's got to get to Sunday and be exciting. Yeah, Roy, Roy McElroy just finishes his first round. He shoots a six under 66. He is uh, oh. currently, uh, Two back of Cameron Young, who is uh, who is leading. Neil could not pick Cameron Young out of any lineup whatsoever. I am uh, I am almost certain. Uh, but it is it has been a fun morning as it is baked out. It's fast. They're having a hard time keeping the ball in the fairway. The wind is a little more than they expected, but it is a uh, it's a it's a little different course than your normal British Open where you're uh, just dealing with nothing but the wind and wet wet and rainy conditions. It's the ball's rolling everywhere right now. Over the uh, the place in Scotland, so it'll be on be there tomorrow for you. Now that I've reminded you, you can get up. I know you got a busy day, but you can catch four or five hours before your day gets started. Yeah, that's well, that's for sure. Um, because I'm a couple hours behind you, so um, yeah, I could I could really I could just stay up late and watch it. Do you do you have a hard time adjusting t- time zone changes and things like that? I mean, does does one or two bother you more, or is that is that changed any as you've gotten older? No, I I actually adjust to um, Pacific time instantly. I, I, I do it instantly um, to the point where I, it, it might be the, the time zone that agrees with me the most for whatever reason. I don't know why. I mean, it's not that's not a cultural thing or anything like that. I just for whatever reason, that time zone, I'm able to snap into it right away. So you didn't wake up stupid early this morning. Uh, no. Well, the only reason I did was because I knew that I knew that we were going to podcast and I got your text. And so I went back to sleep. But um, but no, otherwise, I think I would have slept normally on this time zone. And see, I had no idea what you had going on from that standpoint. I, I mean, a little inside baseball that nobody cares about. You had your notification silenced or and you know, it tells you that in iMessage. So I, it's actually the only reason I even sent it then at the moment. I was going to wait on you just to contact me. And I was like, okay, it looks like he's silenced. And I'm not going to like wake him up at 530 in the morning. So we'll let it, let it run on out there. So. Well, and I, I didn't mean to silence them. So uh, that's, that's yeah. news to me. <laughs> yeah. They were, when, yeah. When I, when I, when I pulled up your box to text you, it said Neil has his notification silenced on the, on the screen. Oh. So. Yes, because it gives you the option to send anyway loudly. And I was like, well, that'd be a jackass move. Like, if somebody's got their phone on silent, like, don't, don't hit that button. No reason to do that. So, so big weekend. Excited. Uh, getting... Yeah, yeah, we, we had a good time yesterday. So, did some, did some cool stuff, and uh, it was fun. So, today's kind of laid back. we got a big day tomorrow and a pretty big day Saturday. So, we'll go from there. Um. Look, we hit this off the top, and I mean, we're not going to focus on it too much, but the message board pretty uh, locked into a Suntrain Perkins debate right now as the uh, the Ole Miss commit out of Raleigh. Raleigh's been a, uh, a pipeline for the Rebels for a pretty good while, dating back to, I guess, Dante and Woody and uh, and, and those guys. Um, it's, 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 it's been a minute, but um, has been a, a good spot for Ole Miss. Georgia, for a while, was sort of perceived to be the biggest threat uh, to Ole Miss and his recruitment. That's when Matt Luke was obviously on the Georgia South since Matt uh, has gotten out of coaching, at least for the, the time being. Kirby is still uh, recruiting him very hard, but it does not feel like the Bulldogs are the same level of threat. Alabama now has become that leading contender. There's a lot of buzz around 
a potential flip. And let me be clear there, it does not happen as of right now. Uh, yeah, 948 here on this Thursday morning. May not happen, may happen, I have no idea. But Bama certainly has some momentum in his recruitment. Uh, a lot of speculation. I know a lot of quick answers or at least quick guesses on what has caused that. But this feels like one of those that is – or it doesn't feel like it. I'm pretty well-sourced, frankly, in this. It It is a situation of relationships, uh, of relationships where it's just recruiting. This isn't about NIL being crazy higher at one place than another or something judging this thing. And it's I, – I understand just the conversation of potentially losing Perkins. Again, potentially, I don't know. Uh, I get why it's frustrating for Ole Miss fans because Ole Miss has, has chosen to go portal heavy, port, partly chosen to go portal heavy because of ability to get into some of the NIL game and to get into some of these recruitments at the high school level that simply are not about recruiting, that when one is mostly just about recruiting and it's it has to do with some head coaches doing more than others and making more contact, and more phone calls, and, and showing that level of priority, it's at least easy to understand why fans would be frustrated by that involvement. And multiple things can be true at once. That can be a situation that is a struggle for Lane Kiffin or something that he is not maximizing in his efforts to recruit. Well, also doesn't mean he is a terrible football coach and they're going to go 0-12 and, and they're not going to recruit anybody and the overall strategy doesn't work. I mean, it's, you know, welcome to fandom and message board 101 in 2022, but it's it's not all or nothing. But I, I, I do get it. It is a it is pretty obvious that should Ole Miss lose Perkins, that's a that's a frustrating thing for the uh, for the Ole Miss program. Well, <clears throat> you're right. Look, two things can be true at once and sometimes even three and four things can be true at once. But this is not a kid that you can afford to lose. You know, it's one thing when you can't get Jaden Rashad up because the NIL is crazy. It's, it's another thing when it's an in-state kid who you have inroads into that town big time, and he plays a position that you have historically had a hard time recruiting. This staff, previous staffs, for whatever reason, Ole Miss has never just been the – it's, it's, it's had great wide receivers. It's had great quarterbacks. It's had great running backs. It's had great DBs. It's had some great defensive linemen. Left tackles all in. Yeah, but linebacker has frequently been a, an issue for Ole Miss. And this kid is an elite linebacker. If Alabama wants you and Georgia wants you, you are an elite linebacker. Those are two, those are two staffs that don't have a lot of misses on the defensive side of the ball. And when it's as simple as the, the kid wants to be recruited and the people around him want him to be recruited and they want to be recruited by the head coach. With the same urgency that they would have used prior to him being committed. I yeah. just think that's something you have to do. That's one of the things you're getting paid to do. And um, – you know, it appears that the transfer portal has been very good to Lane Kiffin and to Ole Miss. We, we'll see this fall. And there's a lot of transfer portal guys that are stepping in as opposed to a year ago when, yeah, they had some portal guys. But, you know, I mean, Chance Campbell was terrific. We've talked about this before. Mark Robinson wasn't a typical portal guy because it was a different kind of a, a more traditional transfer. Um, Otis Reese was essentially a transfer. He didn't get to play much. In, 
in uh, 2020 because of, you know, all that stuff. So this is the first season coming up where it's like heavy portal, potentially quarterback, definitely running back, uh, certainly some receivers, uh, a right tackle, um, some defensive linemen, linebackers, DBs. I mean, it's every kicker everywhere. It's transfer portal. And I think most people think it's going to work. I think most people think Ole Miss is going to win eight-ish games. But there are people out there, and I've been one of them, and I've said this frequently, I could be wrong. I I could be really wrong. From a business stake, I kind of hope I'm really wrong. But I do wonder, as the price of transfer portals go up, and they have gone up, the price is going up, it's inflation is in – full force in the transfer portal. Yeah. And as that happens, can you rely so solely on it moving forward? And in, in fairness, Ole Miss has recruited some high school guys, and they're going to recruit more high school guys. But it is becoming pretty obvious that the portal is has become the preferred method of player procurement. And I – what, what is interesting to me, and again, I'm not passing a judgment. I'm literally sitting on a jury saying, I, I, I'm going to wait till all the evidence is in, till I've heard from all of the attorneys. But it's interesting to me that a lot of other programs sort of like Ole Miss aren't doing that. They're, they're continuing to stock with high school players, knowing that this new system allows you to take an unlimited number of players as long as your roster doesn't go over 85. And the portal allows you not only to bring in guys from the portal, but to process guys into the portal from your program. Um, And it just appears, and it's, let's be fair here. It's not the assistant coaches. This is not on Maurice Crum. This is not on Derek Nix. This is not on the people on that staff who are recruiting. This is, this is the, the head coach. That's who they want to recruit him because Nick Saban's recruiting. Yeah. They want Lane Kiffin to recruit him. And if you talk to people around it, they're simply saying that's just not happening. Certainly not with the level of intensity that they wish would accompany it. And I don't know whether that's a style thing or whether that is a strategy thing or whether that is just simply an uncomfortability thing, but it's, it's a thing. Yeah, with the same, like I said, the same intensity that, that Saban is using. And when it's head-to-head, it, it, it is what it is that it appears to be. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, you're talking about a kid who 6'3", 220 is a high schooler, top 100 player in the country, plays linebacker, plays the perfect kind of outside linebacker position that Ole Miss likes. They can move around and do a lot of things with, frankly, in their, in, in their defense. I mean, it's a – Going into the 2023 class, he was the most notable kid for Ole Miss in that class, frankly, at any position, in my opinion, given the the pipeline, given the the entire scope of what of what Perkins would mean for the Rebels to get him, or as you said, if you ended up away to and ended up not getting him. So here's an analogy, and I'm not sure it's a good one, and it's an NBA analogy. For so for the people who are triggered by NBA, I apologize in advance. Mm-hmm. You know. I follow the Oklahoma City Thunder. My son certainly follows the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if you if you listen to people who are around the Thunder, who cover the Thunder, who clearly have insight into the Thunder, they acknowledge that, hey, they're in a small market and there are certain things that you can get 
in free agency. And there are certain things that you probably can't get in free agency in a market like Oklahoma City. And historically, they have found that they can't add wings, long scoring wings in free agency. Everybody covets those guys, and so they're going to go to bigger markets. So you have to draft wings in the draft. You've got to hit on wings in the draft to get outside shooting, to stretch, you know, spacing, all that stuff. And for Ole Miss, given the approach in the transfer portal, guys like Perkins are not the kind of guys that you're going to be able to get in the portal because all the big schools that are throwing the big money, they're going to go after those kinds of kids too with more funds. Ole Miss has found they can get that middle linebacker. They've done it a couple of times now, Chance Campbell, Troy Brown. They, they can go get running backs, but running backs are a little dime a dozen. You can see that at the NFL level. Not too many people taking first round picks on a running back. You know, can you get the lockdown corner? Eli Ricks transferred to Alabama. You know, can you get the elite wide receiver? The, the Ole Miss has struggled with that even because the price tag is so high. Um, Ole Miss had to work to get Mason Brooks, and that's a right tackle. Can you, can you go get the elite left tackle in the portal? I don't know. And so that, this, these outside linebackers who can make plays, who can pressure off the edge, that kind of thing, they're going to come at a premium. And when one's in your home, in your home territory wanting to come to you, I think you have to make that a priority. But again, I'm not the guy getting paid $7.5 million to make these decisions. And if this is a decision that they've made, if this is a, a loss that they're willing to perhaps take, and again, they haven't suffered the loss yet, but we're not making this up. And, and you know, yeah, we, we, we would not borrow that trouble today. And hey, you know what? Let's find the topic. Let's, let's go down this topic today. Yeah, hey, I mean, come on. On. There, were, there were some signs on social media yesterday that there's trouble. Yeah. And we, we hear from people that there's trouble. And, and frankly, this is, I mean, I know someone very close to this kid, and this, this should not be, this should not be difficult. And this is not. It's become the great cop-out for everybody to go, well, it's just NIL. We can't compete. It's NIL. It's crazy. I hate NIL. Number one, NIL is here to stay. And number two, this isn't NIL. This isn't, this isn't about NIL. And to make it about NIL is, or, or exclusively about NIL is just disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the much more high profile, bigger deal version of. I mean, you know, and kind of you, know, you heard the same thing when, I guess twice, you know, Jaron Reed picked somebody other than than Ole Miss. That wasn't because he was getting paid tons of money to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes it is just it's just recruiting. I mean, well, I said this. I said this so yesterday, Chase. You you've spent your whole life in the South, and I have too. I think you've lived your entire life in Mississippi, and I've been mm -hmm. in. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, back to back to Louisiana, back to Mississippi. So I, I feel like I've covered those three states. It's the South. It's about relationships. Recruiting is about relationships. The transfer portal recruiting is different. If you talk to Troy, and we, we've talked about it with Troy, with Mason, with Chance last year, it's it's quicker. It's a shorter process. It's more business. The kids have been through the process before. They sort of, they've, they've seen the sausage be made. They're not, they no longer, they no longer really care about 
those the older ones especially they don't really care about the photo shoots and all that stuff they know what they're looking for high school kids this is what they've worked for this is what they've earned they want to be courted and their families in the south want want to be courted they want to, to talk to the coach and they want to be able to one day get the coach at the living room table the dining room table to fix the special recipe that is the family thing when they celebrate or whatever and that's just part of the deal and I think at the SEC level, if you're going to win and win big, I think you have to be proficient in both areas. I, that's my opinion. And if I'm proven wrong, Chase, I will sit here on this show and go, man, I was wrong. I'm an idiot. But I don't know that you can win national championships at Ole Miss. And frankly, that's the next step to get into the playoff, to get into the mix. They, they've – now two, two of the last three coaches have taken them to the Sugar Bowl to, you know, 10 and two, nine and three kind of records. That's been proven that you can do that if you're proficient at Ole Miss, if you're efficient at Ole Miss. The next step, if, you're, if, if the goal is to get there, and Lane says it is, is I think you have to be deadly efficient in both high school recruiting and in the portal. And that's obviously a hard needle to thread, but in doing that, doesn't involve losing guys like Sunterine Perkins. No, that's the thing. I mean, Perkins is somebody who would be in your 25, no matter what your ratio is, portal to high school kids to – and I get it's not 25, but for the sake of the conversation. Because um, yeah. that's what – you know, that's, that's a different argument than what you said earlier. You look around, the school's similar to Ole Miss and what they're doing. I don't necessarily know that they're doing the right thing, but – that's not necessarily the conversation of running the risk at this point of, of losing a Perkins. I mean, look at Arkansas's class, and they're doing it pretty traditionally. They're just getting a bunch of guys that are yeah, – they got some four stars and they got some dudes, but they got a lot of five, seven threes and some five, six threes, and they filled up their recruiting class. Frankly, we'll see, but you can make the argument in a way that's outdated that doesn't make a lot of sense because it's the way you would have put a class together in 2008, 2007, 2014. I mean, that's what Arkansas's class looks like. So in some ways they're not taking on the portal gamble and doing the, Hey, let's go just make sure we fill it all with older guys. You know, why is that? I don't know. I mean, there's four or five different well, reasons why it could potentially be. It's interesting because they didn't do it to the extent that Ole Miss did it in this last cycle, but they were very involved in the transfer portal. They had a lot of guys get in the portal and leave, and they brought in a lot of guys from the portal. Yeah. Yet something, and I haven't talked to anyone up there, so I have no idea, but it, it's, it seems at least likely that they must look at the, the portal market and think that's not something that we can sustain ourselves on. There's not enough meat on that bone. We're going to have to, you know, to take this stupid analogy all the way out, we're going to have to go grow our own crops. We're going to have to raise our own livestock. If we want to eat. That, that seems to be what they're saying. I mean, you, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at some of the other recruiting classes yet. Um, you know, I know Shane Beamer's trying to make a lot of hay in the high school ranks. He's struggling, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I know Kentucky's trying to recruit high school. I know Josh Heupel at Tennessee is really trying to make hay in the high school ranks, and they're, they're kind of known as one of the big spenders right now. But 
you know, LSU is recruiting a lot of high school kids. They're on a roll right now with high school recruiting in Baton Rouge under uh, Brian Kelly. So that's, and that's who you compete against. I mean, look, to get where you want to go at Ole Miss, at least in the current format, what it looks like when Texas and Oklahoma join the league, I don't know. But right now, to get to Atlanta and to play for a championship, you've got to beat Alabama. You've got to beat LSU. You've got to beat Auburn. You've got to beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M's rolling in high school recruiting last season. I think they're off to a slower start this year. But it's it, it remains one of the most interesting things for me, and I feel like I'm a broken record on it. I, I get asked all the time, hey, Neil, is this sustainable? And my answer is always, I don't know. We're going to find out in real time. We're watching an experiment where they're still in there pouring stuff into the beakers. And maybe it works, Chase. Maybe it does. Maybe this is the absolute path to winning big at Ole Miss to just take a handful of high school guys and hit the portal hard. Maybe it is. It, it just feels, I guess, because we've watched years and years and years of something different. It just feels so different. We're not used to it. We don't have a sample size to know exactly what it looks like. And at least in pragmatic terms of what it would do and also what you think your tension would be around having to be so perfect with it, what happens when a class doesn't pan out? I mean, that's always been the thought of the portal is that, sure, if you can get this guy and this guy and this guy and, hey, they're, you know, you, you can understand their situations better than a high school kid. You're going to be able to evaluate them a little better. The competition is going to be at the D1 level or whatever it is. You're going to know what you're getting. You're going to understand all these different things more than with a high school recruit. But what happens that one year it doesn't work? What happens that one year where something just goes funny and you can't get this kid and this kid and this kid and you haven't done a ton to build up the depth inside your program, your high school kids that are just sophomores and redshirt sophomores that have been there and they they – they fill in all these different roles because that, that kid doesn't exist anymore because everybody's impatient. You've got the school being impatient going up, oh, just get the transport portal guys or get this. You don't, everything's instant gratification. And then you got so many kids who, I mean, how many signees now really are doing the thing where it's, Hey, I'm going to go be the homegrown kid. That's going to red shirt and then play a little and then play a little. I mean, you're not seeing the Brian Bennett's of the world anymore who comes in and suddenly is a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, goes, wow, he's a really good SEC football player. I mean, that cat doesn't hardly even exist anymore. I don't – does he not? I mean – I mean, he does, but it's almost like he is just happy and he's doing what he's doing and it's whatever. But every single year he's either running the risk of getting cut or another school going, hey, why don't, why don't I pay you – $35,000 to come to Southern Miss and go be a star in this league instead. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's yeah. at least a decision to make versus I'm really steadfast in this approach over a 24 month period. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm being stubborn about this. I'm, I'm kind of almost mad at myself about it because I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with some of it because like I looked at last year's team at Ole Miss and what made them win? Who are the, who are the cogs? that got them to 10 and two. I mean, obviously you start with Matt Corral who'd been through the valleys of the, of the program. Right. And, and you had, you know, Nick Broker and Jeremy James and Ben Brown and those guys up front who had been in the program forever. And Braylon Sanders, who I think was at Ole Miss for 11 years. And, and 
you had Jonathan Mingo and uh, Drummond had been there for a while. And, um, you know, Kelly. And, and I mean, I just think about all the homegrown guys that had put a ton of sweat equity into the program over the period of years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Sam Williams and his story is well-documented. Cedric Johnson is a guy that, you know, the previous staff really loved and they got him and the new staff came in and, and made sure he was a priority. And, and he's, I think both of us were expecting a big breakout kind of season from him. So I guess what I'm getting at Chase is, and, and again, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not, but I do wonder because if I thought I was right, I would be like really emphatic about this because I, it, it, it would it would op, it would create an opportunity down the road to go. I told you so. Yeah, sure. And I, I'm not doing that. I, I I don't know, but I do wonder about program chemistry. I do wonder about team chemistry because you know we talked about this a lot last year. That team went ten and two last year, and it won two games that. The ball literally is in the air, and if it lands different, you lose. In other words, those are games that are gut-check games, right? Any group of guys can get together and beat Central Arkansas 56 to 10. I mean, whatever. You can do that. But when you're going toe-to-toe with Arkansas, and then a week later, toe-to-toe in the damn arena in Knoxville, you better have people that care about one another. You better have people that have kind of been through something together. And maybe one offseason is enough. Maybe one preseason is enough. Maybe a handful of warm-up games this year is enough. When Kentucky comes to town and all of a sudden it's a heavyweight fight. When you go to Baton Rouge at, at 6-0 and or 7-0 and or whatever they are, and, and they've got that place absolutely – frothing at the mouth at 7.30 at night. Maybe you've had enough time. I don't know. I'm curious about that, though, and it just seems to me that one thing you would want to have at all times inside your program, on your roster, is this core nucleus of guys that came there because they wanted to be there, that formed this group that you can add to via the transfer portal and whatnot, that when it comes gut check time, I started to use another term, but they might be kids in the car. When it comes gut check time, you answer the bell because you care about one another. Because if you didn't care about one another last year in Knoxville, it would have been easy to go, hey, nobody's winning in here tonight. It would have been easy when every time you punched Arkansas, they punched back. When You took that lead and they drove down the field and they converted a couple of fourth downs and it's that two point play. And you go, you know what, man, we just, we're we're snake bit against these guys. It's going to be another one of those games. The the way Mississippi state acted toward Ole Miss a little bit. State didn't have Ole Miss's level of chemistry. They kind of went, ah, screw it. You saw that with the baseball team that you just got through covering. Yeah. There was, there was a degree of, because a bunch of guys had been together and around each other for a long time and they really cared for each other and they cared for their coaching staff and the coaches cared for them as individuals, as human beings. And at, in, the, in the midst of all of that frustration, the one team, that one thing that team never did, they played a lot of really shitty baseball. But the one thing they never did was they never quit. They never stopped showing up. And we've seen football teams quit. 
I've seen yeah. football teams at Auburn quit. I've seen football teams at Alabama quit. And I've seen football teams at Ole Miss quit. I have. And so I just wonder over the course of time, if going so portal heavy creates a recipe that if you miss an ingredient or two, it's not a servable dish. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, we just don't know yet. I mean, because what you're talking about is exactly right. I mean, you look at Ole Miss's, and I know that's being a little repetitive, but we're looking at Ole Miss's roster from last year. I've got their 2D up in front of me, and you're right. Tons of homegrown guys, tons of people who had been together for a while, guys who finally were experiencing this level of success that, frankly, they didn't when they had gotten here and they'd been through hell in a couple different ways, changes and mediocrity and all that stuff. But we only are in our second year of this type of recruiting. So that team couldn't have had that sort of situation anyway because that team was built on the old-fashioned way of recruiting. So we're just now in the experimental phase of even knowing what this is going to look like either way and what your where your point really makes sense is that not just a lot of homegrown guys but you mentioned the two of them each side of the ball had a guy that in a different way had gone through hell and was there they're the leader of that side in Matt Corral and Sam Williams that had gained his teammates respect through perseverance and through getting over some adversity and and kind of making the most of an opportunity. And when you see those guys do it at the leaders of the team, well, suddenly you're going to run beside them a little more. And they're doing, they're, they're doing everything that they're asking you of. And all those cliches that we talk about with preseason camp and all that kind of stuff out of your leaders, 
But that did. That permeated through the through the locker room. You look at this year's teams, you know, the leaders on offense, you know, it's Broker and James, these guys across the offensive line that have been there, been playing since day one. I mean, very competitive, very good SEC players. Nick Broker is a preseason All-American by at least one publication I saw here in the last week or so. I saw Jim Nagy had complimented him in, from the Senior Bowl. Uh, we mentioned Cedric Johnson. But you don't have, like, that glue guy who's done what we're talking about. There's no Corral or Williams that is bringing those segments together. You know, we've, Troy Brown's talked about it. Michael Triggs talked about it. Yeah, they have done all they can to meld and gel together. The transfer portal guys kind of see themselves as one signing class and one group, and they're trying to get acclimated. But, yeah, the bullets haven't flown. They haven't been through the hell of the bullets in the past to know what everybody's going to do in the middle of games or in the middle of adversity or all those different things. And I, there's no way to know. I mean, we, it is it is a freaking – I mean, your analogy was the best one. It is a freaking science experiment where you're just throwing a bunch of stuff in a bowl, you're stirring it up, and you're going to see if it does that thing like the volcano where it pours out or not at this point. I mean, I have no idea. But everybody's having to pick some percentage of this. Everybody, if you have your work, your salt, has some semblance of portal and has some semblance of the recruiting thing. Arkansas, like you said, did one thing last year. Is kind of doing something else this year. South Carolina's pivoted a little bit, and Ole Miss is going nope. I mean, it it works to some extent. We're getting the guys we want to get, and we trust that the evaluations are going to be spot on enough that we know exactly not just what we're getting from an athletic or a physical standpoint, but frankly from a mental and an emotional and a maturity level as well. I mean, that's dang predicting that and getting that right is a is a tough deal but that is what's required here because if you miss on a couple dudes in that way the buy-in the chemistry the what, what they're like in the locker room you get the wrong couple guys wrong in that way and they can they can poison the whole damn deal on you pretty quickly i mean that's to me that's almost more important of how fast is he and how many tackles is he going to get playing middle linebacker you know, and then I saw some stuff on Twitter. It was interesting. Some of the Mississippi coaches, I think Will Hall came and spoke to them, but but Leach didn't. Kiffin didn't. Yeah. Deion Sanders didn't. Yeah. Uh, Josh Heupel did. It was interesting. Um, you know, and some of this is the high school coaches realizing that the I, – I think maybe the, some of the coaches view that, hey, I, I don't need you like I used to need you. Um, I don't. I don't have to do it this way anymore. Um, I do wonder, though, with the transfer portal prices going up, and Tyler talked about that on uh, on our show on Tuesday. If the prices go up, and suddenly you get priced out on some guys, and you miss, if you don't have that high school nucleus to fall back on, now your roster has these cavernous voids. And I don't think that's going to happen to Ole Miss necessarily. I, I don't. I mean, they, they've had so much success recruiting the portal that to assume that suddenly that success is just going to dry up is seems kind of foolish. But I don't know. I, here's what I do know, Chase. I look around the country and I look at the programs that are nationally competitive and they are not portal dependent. And, and it's because they have enough NIL player. money to recruit at the high school level, obviously. Obviously. And so it all kind of comes back to, well, is it that you just don't have enough resources? And in a lot of cases, that's the case. But this is this particular case that we're talking about. That's yeah. not it. 
Yeah. And so that makes that makes if if this turns into a loss, and again, it hasn't yet, but he didn't tweet out or Instagram out the elephant and all that stuff yesterday because he was at the zoo and he liked the elephant. I mean, that let's be real. If it happens, this is the kind of loss that really stings. This isn't, hey, we lost Jaden Rashada because Miami gave him an exorbitant amount of money. This is we lost the kid we should have got. And that's those are the kind that, that haunt you. And it's fixable. It's the, it's the recruiting loss that it's, it simply can't happen. There are some recruiting losses that would be acceptable, tolerable, and there are some recruiting losses that would be unacceptable. And I think this one probably falls in the unacceptable category, and that's going to make some people mad. But you couldn't justify your way through this one in an argument with it making sense. No, because it's possible to go, yeah, you know, we just didn't really evaluate him very highly, and it's all right. You're like, oh, man. I mean, yeah, that's 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 a that's a tough water to pull there. Um and it's look, it's the one knock on lane. It's it. And it's it's here's what's interesting, you know, is is I get this all the time from people. They say, you know, is he leaving for Auburn? Is he leaving forever? And I'm like, guys, he's making seven and a half million dollars a year. He's coaching at an SEC school. The list of schools that are willing to pay that, and Ole Miss is paying, I think Nick Suss had a story out about just how much money Ole Miss is paying for football right now. 12 and and change, almost 13 million in coaching salaries for the year. And I think they're prepared probably to spend more. And you're, you're, you're giving the resources, they're redoing the facility, all that stuff. Some of what happened with the stadium was simply unforeseen. I don't know that anybody could have said, well, hey, you know what's going to happen in 2020 is there's going to be this pandemic that shuts everything down and it's going to clog up the supply chain and make the cost of – And they you know, made the right move. You don't spend an extra $50 million on a project like stop. Of course, of course not. But my point is is that there is a commitment. There's a, a clear commitment. You, you, you've clearly seen that you are one of, I guess, now 32 programs in the country that have ultimate security. Big Ten and SEC, uh, yeah. and I don't. I mean, where's he going, right? So, this is the one thing that you know for him. What's the the next step to becoming? No one questions Lane Kiffin, the offensive genius. He's a genius. No one questions that. No one questions Lane Kiffin, the the, the play caller. He's one of the very best. He is in the mix for the very best. Um, no one questions the game plan guy. Um, frankly, at this point, I think you have to give him a ton of credit for his ability to prepare a team over the course of a week. He was sort of cutting edge with the, hey, we're going to do the morning thing. We're going to get them off their feet. We're, you know, mm-hmm. About Wednesday night, we're done for the week. Um, guys have, you know, guys are fresh. His teams have been fresh. The one thing that is the knock on him is, is he – like a couple of his predecessors, a couple of his mentors, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, is he going to get himself to the place where he's the great recruiting finisher? And that, that's probably the, the gap from him between very, very good and great. Let's take a break in the podcast. Tell you about Johnston Hill Creamery. That's johnstonhillcreamery.com. Make all their cheeses locally and in-house every single day. They've got a great lunch menu. It's available through 
fetch delivery and uh, much more. You can give them a call at 662-419-9201 or cheese at johnstonhillcreamery.com. A small batch of traditional cheese, fermentation, charcuterie, and much more just off Molly Bar here in Oxford. And then uh, go to their Instagram page and tell you about Tasting Tuesdays, all the different information, and then including a video this week of uh, they're making their own homemade cannoli shells to make great cannolis. They've got those in multiple different ways. You can get those over the course of the year. So, again, Johnson Hill Creamery, 662-419-9201. Podcast also brought to you by Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you can local underwriting and understand your market. Leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E Spark. Spark service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, and much more. So, again, call the office for more details, 662-238-3159. Prime Shrimp finished up their uh, their latest offer to you. They gave first-time customers a 50% discount. Several of you took, or many of you took advantage of that. We appreciate you doing that. And remember, even now, if you have not tried it yet, sorry, your first order, 20 bucks off. With code MPW for PrimeShrimp.com. They've got five different flavors available for you there. We've been telling you about it for a long time. That's less than 10 minutes. Freezer two plate for restaurant quality shrimp. And then also, if you want something that uh get in a better quality than a lot of the grocery stores, they've also got their own IQF prime shrimp as well. It's what they've been peeling for over 70 plus years. It's what you find at the grocery store. It's just peeled better and with more care straight from New Orleans. So whether it's that or the flavored pouches, you get that on their website, primeshrimp.com. And last but not least, GNM Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area. They offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you once you're at the pharmacy. One delivery and you have what you need when you need it with GNM or Tyson Drugs on the square in Holly Springs. And with their med packs and their pouches, they give you what you need morning, afternoon, evening. They're individually packaged and ready to go for you. Maybe it's helping parents out, anybody who needs their medic- their medications better managed. Give GNM a call. They can switch over your medications, take it all easy for you. Again, that's 662-236-2222. Yeah, because he, I mean, he has obviously done it. I mean, when he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama and other places, I mean, he is, he's not just neglected all high school recruiting, but it's obviously not his favorite thing either by any stretch of the imagination to, do some of the necessary relationship building at this point to to get there. I think it's a little surprising to me that in this year of his tenure, we're having this conversation about Perkins. I do think that's a justified opinion and interesting that, yeah, maybe year one, year two, things different, blah, 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 all the things we've talked about, but that we're having this conversation in July of 2022. Yeah, well, they're a ten and two season. They have a ton of momentum. Um, I always, you know, as an aside, you ever find the ten and two thing funny? I do it too. Um, you know, they went ten and two. Had they won the Sugar Bowl, everyone would say eleven and two. But because they didn't win the Sugar Bowl, we all say ten and two. It's a funny thing to me. I do it too. I catch myself doing it. All I guess that is true. Isn't it? We sort of, I think, because Matt got hurt in the first quarter, we sort of throw that game out like it didn't happen. It's, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's not the point. 
They have clear program momentum. They had that huge game against A&M last year where the eyes of the country were on them and they really shined. Um, they go to the Sugar Bowl. They are going to open this season very much on the national consciousness. Um, they're going to start the season, I would guess, around 15th to 18th ranked in the country, maybe a little higher than that. I don't know. Um, they're not having to beg for eyeballs. No, 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 no. Eyeballs are glued to them. They're one of the more attractive programs. They're the actually country. getting a lot of benefit of the doubt that there's a yeah. roster turnover and they go, you know what? Now nope, Kiffin's got it figured out. That's just a program that is, I mean, it's been my shtick for several years now in different ways, talking about Ole Miss had to find a way to get back to just being a normal program. And they have done that to an extent now where it's a normal program that is SEC caliber of a normal program that just gets some preseason buzz and they go play the schedule and everybody expects them to have a good year. And that's what they are. I think next week in in Hoover, I wish it was in Hoover, next week in Atlanta, um, I think next week in Atlanta, you're going to see this. You're going to see everybody pick Alabama to win the SEC West. And then you're going to see this hodgepodge of of opinions with the rest of the West. And I think A&M will get picked second. But then you've got this mix of, you know, LSU's got all these this momentum and Brian Kelly and it's LSU and there's talent on that roster. And, you know, Arkansas went nine and four last year, which if you do the math is one game less than 10 and three. And one of the games they lost was by one point in Oxford on the last play of a game. And I think everybody's going to give Ole Miss the benefit of the doubt over Arkansas, over LSU, over Auburn, over Mississippi State who's got a third-year quarterback and a lot of defensive guys back. So they, 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 there is a lot of program momentum. So, yeah, you're right. If you had told me that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's cleaning up on guys like, like Perkins that they want. They're, they're, they're crushing those guys. They're getting that done. And that's kind of the one thing that, that hasn't happened is they, they haven't been able to generate that real high school recruiting momentum yet. And I think it's – I kind of think, and again, I could be dead wrong, and if I am, I promise I will own it. I kind of think it's the one step that has to happen to get from where they are today, which is this really consistent, fun, interesting, intriguing program to one that is a true playoff contender. This is not a shot at them at all because it just shows you how you maximize opportunities and what we talk about. It's frankly the – even to the media, the mentality change of a 12-team playoff and nine conference games and maybe a Power 5 game in addition to that, how records aren't matter. But, you know, Arkansas went nine and four last year. They went four and four in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's that weird scope where we go, hey, they did this, and they did. I mean, they were a good, good team. They did a good job improving, no doubt. I mean, it's from where they were when Chad Morris had his abomination. I mean, they've come one hell of a way. But they still just went 500 in the SEC. But we don't really – compute that in our heads the same way necessarily when you look at that yeah good uh blake topmeyer who did a really good story on kiffin not so long ago did a really good story on sam Pittman the other day um that talked about that game in the pandemic year in fayetteville the corral interception game that sam Pittman was sort of struck after that game by some of the people around the locker room you know like support people crying tears of joy and he didn't understand that he's like we, we beat Ole Miss in September or October or whatever it was what, what what's going on it was the fact that that was the first SEC game they'd won in almost three years I think that's 
at the risk of giving a compliment to Arkansas and upsetting two or three people that listen to this. I think that's the, uh, that's the part of what Pittman has done. That he doesn't get enough credit for is he took it out of the absolute ashes and has made them a, a very respectable, at least to this point program. Yet you're right. There are still people that uh, can't give them benefit of the doubt yet. I mean, I think they're one of the more interesting teams in the league. Their schedule's brutal, but you know, they bring back a really experienced quarterback and they had a lot of portal success and, you know, they've got, pretty much their whole OL back and they're interesting. I mean, this is, this is, and that's my point is that you could, I could make an argument for obviously Texas A&M at, 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 ahead of Ole Miss. I could make an argument for Arkansas ahead of Ole Miss. I could make an argument for LSU ahead of Ole Miss. Um, yet I'm going to vote Ole Miss third. Um, I'm going to put them behind Alabama and A&M. I'm going to put them ahead of Arkansas, ahead of LSU, ahead of Mississippi State and Auburn. And the reason is it just, because it just feels like it. it's, I mean, Ole Miss has question marks, Jason. We'll talk about it a whole lot more in the coming weeks, but we don't know what Ole Miss has at quarterback. We don't know what Ole Miss has at wide receiver right now. We don't know. I mean, if, if Mingo's hurt, and I, you know, the fact that Jonathan's going to SEC media days is probably a sign that they feel okay about him. But, you know, I mean, we don't know that he can stay healthy. Deion Smith didn't happen. Um, you know, we don't we don't know what they're going to look like on the defensive line. Are they going to mesh? Is, are they going to be as dominant as they were at times last year? What about linebacker play? I mean, go look at the numbers from last year. Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson made a bunch of plays, man, a bunch of plays. I mean, just, just meat and potato plays that I don't know that they, they're completely confident they can replace. Um, they've got a new kicker after last year having an, an automatic kicker for the most part of the season. Matt Brown was a terrific punter for Ole Miss. I mean, he he flipped the field a handful of times last year. Max, you know, not there. So, I mean, there are question marks with Ole Miss, and yet you're right. Most of us in the media kind of go, nah, they'll figure it out. They'll be fine. They're going to win eight, nine games. And so there is a level of respect that they're getting that, just doesn't seem to have quite yet made it to the high school recruiting front. And I guess that was the thing about Arkansas. It was more the point I was making was that, yes, they lose the coin flip game against Ole Miss and you got this and you look at it and you're, when you're four and four in the league, we could have got them to 10 regular season wins without a ton of trouble. And then you also look at it and go four and four and God, you're almost light years away from the playoffs still too. Like you're in this middle ground where it's like, good God, like you've come so far because no, look, when Pittman took over, that program was much worse than at any point Ole Miss was in during their rebuild from Freeze. I mean, it oh, was not even not even not even in the same ballpark. It's it's no, not no. even not even close. He had he had he had gutted that program. Morris gutted that program. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean that 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 should silence at least one influencer around. Um he 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 gutted that pro. What 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 Pittman has done in, in the amount of time he's been there is, is really remarkable. I mean, to make them, you know, where they went to Alabama and played well. I mean, they, they lost that game at Ole Miss and, and they they had a they had a stinker. To Kippen's credit, he's not had a stinker yet. Um, they had a stinker at home against Auburn that probably a game that they, they probably look back and think they probably should have won that. They just played poorly in voting. And it was the week off. It was the week after the Ole Miss game, too. 
Yeah, yeah, they just didn't didn't almost beat them twice. Yeah. You always wonder if he had a do over. Would he kick the extra point there and try overtime and see what happens? Like, do you? I, I thought I, he made the right call in the moment. I, oh, I did too. When he when it was happening, I was like, I would go for two here. It's a dumb rule, but in some ways I like the thought of do whatever the other team doesn't want you to do. Right. And Ole Miss wanted you to kick the extra point there and just give them the ball back and go to overtime and see what happens. Because, I mean, the defenses were not exactly, uh, you know, steel curtains on the day. So, I mean, it was – We look back on that game, and if – let's just for the fun of it, say they kick an extra point and make it. So, 52 to 52. Uh-huh. Is there a chance that one team wins that game with 100 points? With 1,000 <laughs> yards? No, because remember, like, we've gone to this two-point two conversion overtime now. Oh, that's right. That's right. In the old world, yeah, sure, because who's stopping whom? I mean, like, come on. But, yeah, no, now we would just be going for two over and over and over and over. They would have gotten, gotten 59-59 and then 66-66, which would have been an interesting scoreboard. Um, yeah. And then you and then, and then you would have had two-point plays. There's a chance yeah. that's like a 74 to 72 game, and the stat sheet is just defensive coordinators are drinking bleach after it's over. Well, Lane was not overly pleased that time that day with his with his defense. And then after that, they were damn good. I mean, that's the underrated thing. I mean, they they gave up like 23 points a game the rest of the way. It's really remarkable. I mean, it's, it's what they it's, did, what they did defensively, because I don't remember the exact number, but Arkansas had 670 yards or something of offense. I mean, was it really that? I want to say it was that high. It's like six, 661 or 670 or something. And Ole Miss had 630 something or 640 something. It was insane numbers. Jefferson went 25 of 35 for 326 and three. And then he ran for 100 too, right? 85. Rushing, they had a 139 and 85 and another 85. <laughs> and then so a 19, their, a 16, 11. What was their total? Total yeah, yards? Yeah, I'm coming up with it. Uh, 676. 676. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you tell the coach before the game, hey, man, you guys are giving up 676 yards today. He's like, you know. Or from the other side, you tell Lane, hey, your offense is going to put up 611 yards. You're going to need a two-point conversion stop with no time left on the clock. FYI. Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't believe that. If you told uh, him before the game you get 611, he goes, we win by three touchdowns. Yeah, Arkansas passed for 326, ran for 350. Ole Miss averaged 8.7 per play. Yeah. 8.7. That's what I'm saying. You put the old overtime rules in that deal? Because Ole Miss only ran 70 plays to get 611 yards. Yeah, Arkansas Arkansas ran, ran 93 plays. Arkansas had a bunch of sustained drives where they just – yeah, time of possession, 35-35 to 24-25. Yeah. Wow. Hell of an accomplishment by Ole Miss's defense to improve the way that it did after that game. Because that was that was about as bad as you can have a performance. Yeah, Parrish ran for 111. Snoop ran for 110. Corral ran for 94. Yeah. So your two quarterbacks went for 94 and 85. Uh, seven quarterbacks, by the way, invited SC Media Days next week. So half the team's taking a quarterback. 
if you have a known starter, take your freaking quarterback. Absolutely. Like, I, I think most everybody is. Um, Levis and Young and um, Stetson. Yeah, and yeah Young's going. As mentioned on the board, somehow Bumper Pool is still at Arkansas. Um, yeah, he's one of those six-year COVID guys. Yeah, Catalan, Jefferson, and Bumper and Pool for Arkansas. Hard to find much of a better of a trio for a, a team going to media days. Alabama sending Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, and Bryce Young. That'll play. Yeah. That's a pretty good that, – that, if we're just going to play some flag football out back with three dudes, that, that, that's a pretty good three to take, take with me to the yard. Yeah, I love Battle. I mean, well, and he's clearly the third guy in that group. I mean, that's he, – he is. I, I'm still – listen, I have no interest in them whatsoever, and I'm still upset for Will Anderson last year in the Heisman Trophy voting. Like, I, I am, I'm emotionally affected by that for some reason, just because Aiden Hutchinson has that one day and somehow ends up ahead of Will Anderson. I, I, it just, I, I don't care. He was the best player in college football. Absolutely. Anthony Richardson going for Florida. That tells you a lot about what Florida's got going on this year. Yeah, I'm not high on them. I'm not buying into the Gators very much. Um, obviously, as we said, Broker Johnson and Mingo going for Ole Miss. We haven't had a podcast since that got uh, since I got announced. Mississippi State not sending Will Rogers. Really? No. Uh-uh. It's a little weird. It's really weird. He's doing the seniority thing. He's sending three graduated seniors. Will's Will's paid his dues there. I mean, I, like I would, who, who's writing that story? Nobody's gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna spend my time because Leaps brought three dudes who have graduated. Like, who cares? Yeah, nobody. Uh, senior quarterback. This is not complicated. Especially a third year starter who's put up numbers. I barely even recognize any names on Missouri's three dudes they're sending. Um, Carolina not sending Spencer Rattler. I don't know if that's shocking or not, but he's not on the list. Um, Interesting, though. It tells, yeah, you they're sen- it tells you it hadn't been seamless. They're, uh, they're sending an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and a defensive lineman. Hendon Hooker going for Tennessee, obviously. Yeah. A&M doesn't really know what they're doing at quarterback. And then Vanderbilt is sending Mike Wright, the quarterback, the junior, um, to Atlanta for the Commodores. Good for him. I mean, everybody's going to hang around, write those stories on Mike Wright. What was the other dude's name? Is he still there? Where's he going? I think he's still there. Because that's the running quarterback, right? They had like yeah. kind of two dudes. By the end, Wright was playing most of it. Okay. He's okay. Sure. My favorite is still the Pat and Robinette kid who quit Vanderbilt football to go to med school. Literally gave up the starting quarterback job to, to go to med school. And it's like, you know what? You made the right call. Because he, he probably looks back on that and goes, yeah, I did the right thing. Yeah, what's the, what's the issue there? Uh, <laughs> it's easy enough. <laughs> you mentioned them the other day. The Orioles now have their longest winning streak of the century. The Baltimore Orioles. They are oh. over 500 for the first time this late in the year since 2017. You know, when he was a college player, Atlee Rutschman, or however you say his name. Yeah. I always thought he's so ebullient 
and they're so joyful. And I always thought that's so easy at the college level. What are you going to do at the major league level when it's 162 games of grind? And Chase, he's the exact same way. He is the happiest, most supportive, joyful teammate. And it's either legitimate or he should absolutely leave baseball, go to Hollywood, and replace Tom Cruise. I mean, he, he's amazing. He's infectious. And they've got – they should kind of be your team a little bit. They've got a bunch of, like, college guys. They've become a, a, a college-heavy system, and they're starting to build something. I mean, look, they play in a brutal division where everybody is good. And so there's a long way to go, but they're above 500 and they're fun to watch. And they've got some good young players coming up soon. They're going to be, if, if they can find a way to, to spend some money, the Orioles are going to be interesting. Now there's no way in the world they should do anything this year to buy. No, 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 no. They should, don't, they don't sell. be stupid. Stop. No, Well, they yeah. should sell, but like, like they've got him and, and, uh, uh, Kierstad, the former Arkansas guy, is about to come up, um, and all he does is rake. Yeah. Um, you know, they've just they've got dudes that they've got a really good system. No, they 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 should absolutely sell and, and continue to to build their base and save their money for the the day when they're ready to go. But if you're an Orioles fan, God knows you've been through a lot of hell, and there's something to be hopeful about right now. But that, yeah, kid, that kid is – he's so fun to watch that it makes you, if you're sort of looking for a team, God, pick them. You get him every day. They're two out of the wild card right now, but they're in fifth. The, uh, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Mariners are all 47 and 42 and tied for the second wild card spot. The Rays are uh, 48 and 40, and they have a one-and-a-half game lead. In the in the wild card, obviously the angel the Yankees are trying to run off with the, the East. problem. When you're only two out, is that if you sell, the message that sends in your clubhouse to a young team is not a good one. Yeah, selling is absolutely the right thing to do, and you can at least just kind of stand pat, right? Yeah, and that's probably what they'll end up doing. I mean, don't do anything to make it look like we're fire selling, but at the same time, you can't go buy to try to make a run when you're two out of the wild card. Oh, no, you can't go trade assets to get a veteran outfielder or something. No. <laughs> um, in the NL, by the way, if I'm curious, the Braves have a five-and-a-half game lead in the wild card because uh, they're chasing the Mets, obviously, but they, they're 53-37 and 37 on, the, uh, on the season. I saw last night um, it was on behind us. We grabbed a late bite, and um, – Cardinals were ahead of the Dodgers six nothing going into the seventh and lost, and it was the first time in like two hundred and eighty seven games or something that St. Louis led by six or more going to the seventh where they lost. Huh. And it was to the Dodgers. Yeah, who are just a rolling ball of butcher knives, as Tommy Tuberville used to say. Fifty seven and thirty for LA. Yeah. They have an eight-and-a-half game lead on the Padres. For the yeah. Padres, you're 10 over 500, and you're eight-and-a-half out. Who ended up winning that Colorado-San Diego game? It was on – It was on – Last night? 
Yeah, it was on another screen. It looked like it was a really good game. San Diego was like seven to six at one point. It was looked like a fun game. I was not really watching. Last night, let's see, I have the scores up. Yeah. Uh, 10-6 Rockies. Oh, Rockies came back and won. Okay. Iglesias drives in six as Rockies beat Padres 10 to six. There was a play at the plate where the umpire called the runner out of out of bounds, said he went out of the base path. Catcher okay. dropped the catcher dropped the ball and the runner touched the plate, but the umpire said he was out. I guess it's still Bud Black. The Rockies manager just completely lost his mind. Rockies 40 and 49 on the season. Um, Otani won his sixth straight start, and he also became the second angel ever yesterday to have double-digit strikeouts in four straight appearances, tying uh, a mark that was previously held only by Nolan Ryan in franchise. He was was throwing a 101-mile-per-hour fastball. And he was throwing this 83-mile-an-hour Frisbee. I'm not going to call it a slider. <laughs> it was a Whatever frisbee. it was. It was. <laughs> and, I mean, the look on the hitter's faces was just – I can't even imagine what must go through your mind as a major league baseball hitter, okay? Major league – to get to the major leagues, to get to the place where you can walk up to the plate to face the, the, the Los Angeles Angels carrying a wood bat. You have to be so good, right? I mean, nobody makes you look foolish very often when you are a major league player wearing a major league uniform, making a major league salary, carrying a wooden bat up to the plate in a major league game. And they look like little leaguers going up against Dylan DeLucia. And you just... Yeah. What must go through their minds? I mean, how you allow your – I guess they just have – they have they just erase their memories immediately and just go right back and just – Like the men in black thing. We're just going to give them a little buzz, a little light thing and call it a day. But, like, that would – what – 101 followed by this 90-something mile-an-hour slider followed by another 101 to set up an 83-mile-an-hour Frisbee where you have just no chance – I mean, that would steal your soul. They have the best player in baseball and maybe the best player of his of all time, the best player of his generation, arguably, and they are 19 games out of first place. Yeah, it's – it's 19. I think, I think it's one of the biggest problems for Major League Baseball right now. I really do. I really believe this going into the All-Star game is that the, the single most attractive player in the game plays – on the West Coast, for a team that's not any good, for a team that just does not generate any romantic interest. Does that make sense? Well, the number two franchise in their town. If, if you, I, I, I do believe what I'm about to say. If you put Shohei Otani on the Yankees, the Red Sox, maybe even the Mets, the Cardinals, the Cubs, um, Maybe even just switch parts of town and put him on the Dodgers. Oh, for sure, Dodgers more than Angels. If you, I think if you put him on one of those six teams, I think Major League Baseball would be in a completely different spot right now than it is today. I think there would be Shohei mania in our country because Chase, if you if you allow yourself to just watch his games, not only is he so good, but he 
We were talking about Atlee Rutschman a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has that similar personality. He plays with such joy. And you see his emotions and he smiles and he laughs. And when a hitter gets a hit off of him, he kind of acknowledges it. And, and when, he, when, he, when, he, when a hitter looks at him, like, what the hell was that? He'll kind of smile. And he's great. But because where he plays and the time zone he plays in and the team he plays for, it, it just doesn't resonate. And, and for whatever reason, unlike the NFL, where it didn't matter that Drew Brees was in New Orleans instead of New York, unlike the NBA, where it didn't matter that LeBron was in Cleveland, it just didn't matter that LeBron was in Cleveland. It didn't matter that Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City back then. It, in, in Major League Baseball, it seems to matter. If Shohei played, if Shohei played for the Red Sox, I, I, I think he'd be a – I think baseball would be more of a national story. I do. Yeah, it wouldn't – there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's for sure if he was a Red Sox, a Met, or a Yankee. I mean, it would be a, an exponential difference. But they would be in a better shot, shape even if he was an Astro or a Brave. Yeah, I, I was Some kind of like Southern, just middle America team. I mean – yeah. But if you put him on the Cubs or the Cardinals. I would love to see him as a Dodger to see how different it would be because of the Dodgers media presence and how good they are. Yeah. I mean, first off, good God in hell, but like. No, it's, it's kind of, if I'm baseball, you can't make this happen, but I kind of don't want him signing some huge extension with the Angels. I, I want to find a way to get him to one of my big market, high profile teams and see if I can't recapture the imagination of the American public. I had no idea the twins had a four and a half game lead in the AL Central. None. Could have given me a thousand guesses. Well, they, they went out and got Carlos Correa, who's one of the most underrated players in the game. He has really stabilized their lineup and stabilized their locker room. They have a good team. Byron Buxton's finally stayed healthy. And again, I think we'd know more about those teams if you saw Shohei play for the Yankees or the Red Sox. You'd know more about these other teams than, than you do. Um, I mean, the Yankees are, are having a great season, and ESPN last night was talking about this Derek Jeter documentary that's coming out. So instead of – and I, it's cool. I'll watch it. It was, I mean, it was a fascinating – group of players, he and Mariano and Pettit and all those guys, but um, baseball still to get people to watch it, you still have to go kind of go back to the glory days in their mind because I don't think there's ever been more better players than there are now. I mean, all these guys that touch a hundred and, and like you watch Rob Friedman, just watch Rob Friedman's Twitter feed and you see all these different guys that just do crazy stuff with the ball. And then you see all these guys that still hit. Like we talked the other day, Jordan Alvarez, and you didn't know who the hell that was. And, and you cover baseball. I mean, it, it, it just tells you something about it. I, I, I think, and I think that's a big part of the problem. Um, a little bit of a local thing. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez had a big day for Team USA yesterday. And whatever the Netherlands, they're currently playing Curacao right now. They're in extra innings of that game. I have no idea if they actually need that win or not for a medal play. Um, I don't know what their situation is. They have 
won every game fairly handedly since losing to Japan, one nothing in extra innings on day one. Um, We're just so tight in that first game. You just see, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, I would figure out what the transfer portal situation is for that that Japanese pitcher. I mean, you got to got to got to figure out just what his his deal is. There's just some eligibility there. The transcripts will come over. His posting fee might be more than you can handle. Mike needs to like walk across, hand him a business card, and go, "Hey, look, just just saying, okay? Yeah. I mean, you 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 handled that lineup pretty good. So what's what, what's going on here? Um, so I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. They have not updated yet in the eighth, but they are currently uh, runners on first and second with no outs with Jacob Gonzalez at bat in the uh, in the eighth inning in a one-one game against Curacao as of ten fifty-one a.m. right now. But I do know this is the last game of pool play before they go into into metal play, and they have won everything except for the game against Japan. So they're probably all right. But Curacao has produced some pretty good players over the years. They have, yeah. I mean, you, you weren't you weren't walking into one where, yeah, they don't know how to play baseball over there. It's going to be all right. I mean, that was the Netherlands might have gotten in because they were the host country because it looks like everybody's just beating the hell out of them all week. But otherwise, uh, you got to play a little bit to get to get on the Curacao team. I'm betting. I'm betting. You so. have, I'm just betting you got to have some tools. Well, in all seriousness, I mean, you look around. I mean, this tournament, from an amateur baseball standpoint, it's actually some pretty damn good talent. I mean, you're talking about the U.S., Japan, and Cuba in this thing, and Curacao. I mean, yeah. they get to play some baseball in Cuba. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Cuba's national team is going to be all right. Like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, like, I'll take my chances with the Cuban talent pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they went home. The U.S. beat Cuba two to nothing in their game. Yeah. Um, in, in, in that one so uh i, I tell you what mike has done he is trying to win apparently because he is stuck with basically the same lineup every game they have not done this hey we're gonna make sure all 26 kids play the same amount over there they're they're going with their best nine it looks like i don't know how you take jacob gonzalez or dylan cruz or enrique bradfield and say hey we're not gonna you're not gonna play today i don't i don't know how you'd sell that we're trying to make sure the kid from Grand Canyon gets a few ABs, okay? Like, look, we're just gonna gonna move them around because yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, you know, there's scouts galore at these damn things. Sure. I mean, I don't know what that looks like or anything else. I mean, it looks like it's like overcast and kind of rainy and messy over there. But otherwise, I don't know what's uh what's going on. I would assume also that Hunter Elliott will pitch tomorrow in a metal round game because they went back to the kid from Lake Forest today for their last pool game and he threw the first game of the tournament. So. My assumption is that Hunter Elliott will throw game one of metal play tomorrow. For uh, I have such a man crush on Enrique Bradfield. It's just – You would take Dylan Cruz, too, if someone wanted to offer him to you. Oh, I mean, if the Cubs could – I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the tank. Like, he would – yeah, I, I think you could put Dylan Cruz in your outfield within, what, two years? Ooh, think so? I mean – You've watched him play. I don't think he needs a whole lot of polish. I mean, Kierstad left Arkansas when? After the 2019 season? Was it 21 season? He might have just left in that COVID year. Yeah, I don't – maybe so. he, he played in 21 because he was on that team that was number one all year and didn't – Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. yeah so, he's almost major league ready. Okay. Cruz is the same kind of – with Jacob Gonzalez is not going to be a long-time minor league player, Chase. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he plays shortstop or third base remains to be seen, but he's going to be a major league player sooner rather than later. 
Um, so yeah, we don't need to follow that. We're basically done. But yeah, bases loaded, one out. Uh, Maui Ahuna up now at the plate for uh, Team USA. He is the uh, transfer that's headed to Tennessee for uh, for next oh. season. So uh, yeah, the balls just found one there. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see. Anyway, all right. Uh, be back with you soon. Got a few things trying to get done on the podcast front. Check rollgrub.com. In the meantime, for uh, whatever comes up, we'll have a schedule next week. Is we'll figure it out. I don't even really know what are we doing. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. A lot of it depends on whether I go to Atlanta or not. Um, yeah. So we'll have we'll have stuff to you one way or the other. We'll uh, get some things. I know Brian's got something coming out later today as well. So stuff on the network. And we will talk to you again very soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.